the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be back. I hope you had a great weekend. And we've got a lot to cover today. But this, this memo at the beginning, you might think I'm going to talk about the Ukraine. You might think I'm going to talk about uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, No, no, although I do have a couple of points on uh, both those topics I'll get to today. But I'm going to get to a very important a kind of memo. I was telling a friend of mine who I very much respect, who's got his finger on the pulse of things. I was telling him I was going to send him a memo on this subject. The memo could be entitled, What the Republicans Are Doing in Preparation for Power. And I mean that almost tongue-in-cheek because I'm not sure they're doing the right things, but I'll tell you what they're doing. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. We've got some great interviews. Alex Newman, the great author, will be with us. Uh, He's written books on the... um, on education. He's written books on Liberty. He's the founder of Liberty Sentinel, uh, and we will talk to him. We will also get a chance uh, to catch up with my old friend Jim Robbins, who is a USA Today columnist, and he uh, wrote a column recently about Biden's popularity. So please uh, feel free to visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, when you go over there, you will be able to follow all these great interviews and listen to them again. Check them out. And also sign up for the Daily Wink. What's the Daily Wink? Well, it's an email that goes out once a day, Monday through Friday. And the email goes out to tell you exactly what is happening uh, that you may not know, what you need to know. And usually a couple of stories in there. Let me say a couple of things about this. Number one, um, the Supreme Court. Do you realize... The reason why there's not been a Supreme Court nominee nominee from the White House is not because they don't know who they want to pick. It's not because uh, Biden is mulling them over. It's because one U.S. senator, a Democrat from New Mexico, 49-year-old uh, Senator Lujan, I forget his first name now, he is in the hospital still. He had a stroke. He's not functioning. And before they can force him out and replace him, they're giving him a chance to get better, but they don't have the votes to do anything in the Senate. And Mitch McConnell's just holding his fire, waiting to see what happens. But that's why there's been a delay. That's why there's been a delay. All right, and on to the Ukraine situation. Here's what I'll say to you. I I don't believe anything I'm hearing from anybody. I think everybody, the fake news is lying. I think the administration is lying. I think the, the Ukrainians, the Russians, everybody's lying. Everybody's spinning. But here's the one thing I would say. Have we ever had a near war experience of the modern era with as much full-throated, full-blown coverage, meaning even a few years ago when Obama was, uh, you know, sort of feckless or Syria a few years ago when uh, Trump was uh, throwing some uh, missiles in, there wasn't this sort of buildup or uh, conversation. We, we know more about this situation. I mean, we hear more about the speakers and players. But here's the other thing. I don't know what's true. Do you? Even the news that uh, President Putin has sort of formalized 
the breakaway territories that left the Ukraine that wanted to be with Russia. Is that true? I haven't seen any analysis to know whether it's true. Is it? Does it matter? Does it matter if a couple of different provinces said we'd rather be Russian than Ukrainian? Are, are we in the market of keeping them, forcing them to stay in a place they don't want to be? I don't know. I don't, because we don't know anything. We don't have any idea if those people actually want to get and Maybe we can't know. But anyway, that's enough on that. All right. Let's get to what you need to know today. What's happening in Washington, D.C. and across the country is that Republicans believe that they are now going to win in 2022. They watched uh, now Governor Yunkin win, along with his uh, lieutenant governor, Winsome Sears, and uh, the Attorney General Mayeris. They all won. In New Jersey, a Democrat beat the most powerful, uh, excuse me, a Republican beat the most powerful Democrat senator, and the Republican candidate for governor almost beat beat the incumbent Democrat governor. So the Republicans across the country believe they have the path to win. And the path, of course, is is Joe Biden's path. High inflation, high energy costs, high food costs, high everything. And just a messy looking country. The border's wide open. Our schools are teaching dumb stuff. People are fired up and they're swinging against the party in power. That's all true. But here's what, and and there's details you can see. Over 30 members of the Democrat House Caucus have said they won't run for re-election. They're not, by the way, running, uh, retiring because they're afraid of losing. They know most of them can win. They have safe districts. Everybody, almost everybody in Congress is in a safe district. There's like 25 or 30 districts that are really swing districts. And in in an election year like this, in in a a, uh, hot year like this, there'll be some that are closer. But at most, 50 districts are really toss-ups. The reason why they're retiring is there's no place more miserable than to be in the House of Representatives in the minority after you've been an, a senior member of the majority. If you were the chairman of a committee for the last two or four years and now you're going in the minority, you have no power, none. It's, it's miserable. If you add all that power, it's just better to go out on top. That's what's going on. So Kevin McCarthy now is raising tons of money. He's raising $25 million in the last month. He's absolutely the the NRCC bringing money in. What does that mean? Well, I've told you before, follow the money. What it means is lobbyists and professionals who know how this work are given their money in the direction that they need to cover their tail and cover their interests. These are not exactly the money that flows at that amount is not exactly like the 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 hardcore, you know, single issue, true, true believers like me. That the pro-life groups don't flip sides, but the business groups that need to influence insurance or uh, litigation or uh, national and international policies, they give money to both sides, but they give money to the side that's got power. And the money is flowing to the Republicans. That's an indication that sophisticated men and women that know how things work believe it's going to switch. And it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You get lots of money, then you have money to run races and all that. But that's the one thing. Here's another thing. Republicans in the House who have no ability to pass any laws, no ability to do anything, are announcing that they're going to the filing, they're filing bills for amnesty for illegals. Now you say, why would they do that? Isn't that disaster? Yeah, of course it's a disaster. And they're doing it because why? Because the Chamber of Commerce likes it, big business that likes cheap labor likes it, Wall Street that likes cheap labor likes it, and they think soccer moms like it. But you can tell they think they're getting power because they're doing that kind of stuff. 
Here's another one. Kevin McCarthy finally hit Liz Cheney and said he would support an opponent of hers in the primary. But Liz Cheney has had one whole year as a Republican member of the January 6th so-called select committee to go after people. And the time to have distanced yourself from her was when? Was a year ago. And the reason Kevin McCarthy didn't do it a year ago is because he was playing the long game with all the powers that be, including Liz Cheney's backers. But now he's got to try to stay in good with the base that doesn't want to Liz Cheney. And he knows she's against him. She says it every other day. So he's finally solidifying. Remember, if you want to be Speaker of the House, you only care about what, what the 250 members of your caucus, if that's the number you end up with, 250, whatever McCarthy could end up with, what they think. Other than that, that's because that's all that matters to you. And so you're watching the shift, and here's what you don't see. And here's what I don't think you will see. And this is why I think you'll see the Republicans get power, do very little, contrast themselves in no great way, and they will be squashed by the bug, squashed like a bug, by the power of the state. Because if you were a Republican and you looked around, you said, holy cow, we might have control of the House. What should you do? You should investigate Pelosi. You should investigate Hunter Biden. You should investigate the uh, Biden administration. You should have a select committee on all sorts of things and go after the real problem. But will Republicans do that? No. Republicans will be told, don't look back, look forward. What's your vision for the future? And the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Washington Post will say, what's the agenda for the future? We need a future-thinking set of leaders. If we have future-thinking, people will want that. And again, the, the best news of all is that the Democrat Party is in a, a sort of civil war amongst itself on the issues. The Republican Party is not... We just have a problem of the old guard hasn't left town yet. And so, but you're watching people who are taking control, planning to take control, but don't yet know how to lead. And that should be scary for Republicans. They should be worried about it. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will talk with Alex Newman. We'll also visit, as I mentioned, with Jim Robbins. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the Daily Wink and uh, a lot more. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Alex Newman is back with us. And Alex Newman, of course, is a he, he likes it. To, he'll tell you he does a million things because he does. But the thing that I remember is the um, time that I, I think I don't know if I'd met you, Alex, that um, the late Phyllis Schlafly walked in my office and handed me a copy of the book that Alex Newman wrote uh, with the the late Sam Blumenfeld called Crimes of the Educators. And Phyllis said to me, I've done this to you a couple of times, Alex, I tell you, but you have to read this. This explains it so well, what's happened, what's going on. And that was the beginning. And then uh, we've met each other much of time since then. So he does a lot of writing and uh, uh, he writes at the New American. Uh, he's the founder and the uh, CEO of the Sentinel, Liberty Sentinel, which is libertysentinel.org. It does a lot of other things. Welcome, Alex. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Well, it's great to have you. So um, first, where are we? You know, you've been someone for a long time. I'll never forget being at a dinner where you spoke, where you said, look, I used to say 
um, do your best to change the school you're in. Now I say it may be time to get your kids out of schools. You know, there was a, a bunch of people that are that are have been pushing for a long time in the in the in the in the in the movement about education of our young people. They've you know for a number of years they've said just get out. You know, leave the public schools. And a lot of people, I think you, late Phyllis Schlafly, said, well, yes, if you can, but not if you can and fix it. And you said somewhat dramatically, look, I'm not sure you can fix these things. Where are we now? And and when I say that. A lot of parents got awake to what was happening to their kids. Where are we now, though? Yeah, thank you, Ed. And the more time goes on and the more I see all of these wonderful people doing their best to try to reform the schools, they're running for school boards. In some cases, they're even taking over the school boards. And what many of these people are finding, too, is that they are not reformable. So you know, we put all this effort and we, we unseat all these bad school board members and we get in some new ones and boom, we're right exactly back where we started. Maybe they can delay a little bit of the sex ed madness. But uh, unfortunately, it, you know, it, it's become clear now. People talk about systemic racism, which in America is a giant fraud. But we do have a systemic problem with the education system. And I think it's time to start asking the real question, like what does an actual education look like? Uh, do we really want the government educating our children and shaping the minds of future generations? And at this point, I compare the public schools to, to a burning building. I mean, if the building was burning, it, it wouldn't even occur to you to start a petition or run for school board or call up your legislator. You'd run in there and you'd grab your child and you'd run out the door. And I think that's the mindset we need to have right now. These schools are destroying our children mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, academically. And, and for us to twiddle our thumbs or, or seek reforms while our children are burning inside, uh, in my opinion, is simply foolishness. You know, get the kids out and then worry about the fire. We're talking again, Alex Newman. Uh, you go to LibertySentinel.org. You can see a lot of his stuff there, and uh, his biography will also lay out a lot of different things he's done in terms of his writing. I forgot to mention he's a contributor over at the Epic Times, uh, which is a great um, Epic Times is a great uh, um, news site, and that I like those guys a lot. So, um, Alex, uh, here's a different question on this: You have four kids. I never remember what, how old your children are, but you've been in this fight for longer than you had kids um, in terms of uh, the education and government uh, overreach and Liberty. Now that you have kids, how do you, how do you feel about this question of education? Well, I can tell you for sure, Ed, that now that we've done homeschooling, we actually have five now. We just had a new one. Oh, uh, so we've wow. got a little baby. Congratulations. And we homeschool. Thank you. And uh, we homeschool them and I would not trade it for the world. I'd say it's probably, in the top three decisions that I've made in my entire life, you know, everybody tells you, Oh, it's so hard. They're not going to be socialized. You know, you, you really want all that responsibility. And I'll tell you, it is one of the best decisions we ever made. It, you know, brings the family closer. You can see the children flourish. You know, you, you get to uh, focus on, on teaching them properly, educating them properly. You don't have to deprogram them every night at dinner and unteach them <laughs> all the critical race theory and the sex ed. It's just, you know, it, it, it's such a blessing that I can't even put it into words. Uh, it's interesting. Well, congratulations on the other one. That's good work. Uh, you got they, they got to update the website. Then I see four on there. So tell somebody. Uh, oh, yeah, Liberty Sentinel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I, although if you if you if your wife is like my wife, my wife will often say, "Don't tell them how many kids we have." People, the, uh, our friends know, and our and they only the bad guys go looking for this stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, now Alex, <laughs> what do you think about uh, Canada? Again, you've lived all over the world. You've worked all over the world. You've been a reporter, an investigative journalist, all over the world. I mean, on one level. I want to say, wow, the truckers were sort of ahead of a lot of Americans. 
They came up with a way to make the argument. They came up with a, a way to stand strong. They took risks. It was kind of, um, hate to say it, it was kind of American. And then what Trudeau has done, I don't know. It's kind of like <laughs> China. But I mean, how, how do you observe what's happened in Canada? What's it mean? What's the warning? You know, walk us through what your response, what your thoughts are. I'm just appalled, Ed. And, you know, having having grown up in Mexico, I always figured that Mexico would be the first to fall into a dictatorship, not Canada. But, man, what is happening in Canada? I, I don't think we can overstate the significance of this. I mean, this is a formerly free country, very similar to the United States in so many ways, uh, culturally. You know, they don't quite have our constitution. They don't have the the fundamental premise at the foundation of their nation that rights come from God. But uh, in many ways, Canada was was as American as it gets, right? There's very few other places in the world that were as similar as America. So I think it should be a cautionary tale to Americans. I mean, who would have ever thought that we would see uh, national police riding on horses in Canada, trampling old women, arresting peaceful protesters, freezing the bank accounts of people who don't want to be forced to inject foreign substances into their own body. If you had told people this was coming even just three or four years ago, you would have been looked at as a lunatic. And yet we see it now. And I think this should be a real warning to Americans uh, and, and a real kind of a stopping moment so for us to look at this and say, wow, we, we need to count our blessings with our Constitution and we need to fight like crazy to protect the liberties that we have and make sure we don't end up going that route. And hey, if freedom minded Canadians want to come to the United States and uh, you know become citizens of our great republic, I say we open our doors. And uh, hey, if you're a freedom loving Canadian, you're welcome here. You don't want to live in uh, you know, a Cuba style Canada. Well, hey, well, you can make a home here. And uh, hey, we got a lot of space in Florida and a lot of freedom loving people. Come on down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex Newman, who we're talking to, LibertySentinel.org is his website. And you can see a lot of his stuff there. And also the Epic Times and uh, speaks all over the country a lot of times, although uh, with that busy family, I bet he's uh, but his wife is 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 cutting down on the frequent flyer miles. But uh, hey, Alex, <laughs> um, how does it how does it um, match, though, with uh, America, meaning some of the things that happened, let's forget why and the roots of them, because they're both parties. They were spending bills of both parties were massive intrusions on freedom. Uh, both parties. We are where we are, um, you know, in history. And I know you do a lot of thinking about history, writing about. Can you reverse these? Can, is it likely that the, is the trend line reversible or is it just slowable? It's a good question, Ed. And for Canada, I don't know. I think America is very unique in human history. There's no other country in the world that's founded on where the foundation of that nation is these this principle of liberty that God gave us rights and the government is instituted to protect our rights. So I think in America, they're going to have a very, very difficult time. I know it looks bad right now, and I know a lot of people are discouraged, but we have tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of freedom-loving people in this country who still remember what's at the heart of our nation. Uh, most other nations, in fact, almost all other nations do not have that. And so I, I think in America, yes, this can hopefully be reversed and we need to reverse it. As for Western Europe and maybe even Canada, it may be too late. So, um, you know, again, Alex Newman's our guest, uh, LibertySentinel.org, and a uh, great writer, uh, great thinker. Lots of his, some, lots, number of places you can see his speeches on YouTube, uh, including at PhyllisSchlafly.com, uh, our side where he's spoken at some of our events. Um, the, uh, and yet, Alex, one of the characteristics of success 
is sets of leaders, not just one, you know, Washington, George Washington was extraordinary, but there was a bunch of people around. There was a bunch of leaders at the time. It wasn't George. In retrospect, we look back and see him as this sort of towering figure, but there was lots of figures around him. Um, and the, one of the things I see is, uh, and I hear this from old timers and others, and lots of people, that there's not enough leaders and there's not enough leaders who understand the moment. And what I point to, and earlier in the program, I talked about this as in my open, that in Washington, the Republican leaders, House and Senate, but mostly House, have figured out that they probably will end up with power. All things being equal again, they'll probably win the House. And so they're doing the same things that are done in the last 25 years. Again, they're not fearlessly recognizing the moment and and saying this is what we'll do. Uh, they're talking about the same kinds of of things that they have in the past. There was a group of Republicans who don't need to announce anything if they don't want, announce that they would back a big amnesty bill to allow amnesty for illegals that are here, right? And they're doing it because the Chamber of Commerce uh, and others and the, and the left, and they think the moderates like that and all that stuff. And, um, and I, I look around and I say, are there enough leaders who know what the moment is that have power? Because it's one thing to know what the moment is, but if you don't have any power or any influence to do it, influence is important. I shouldn't say just power, it's influence, but because we've centralized so much power, it's almost uh, the centralized power takes away the opportunity to lead. Am I over feeling that? No, I, I think it's a very good assessment, Ed, and we do have a, a very significant problem with uh, a lot of the leadership within the Republican Party. But I'll tell you what, I think the primaries that are going to be coming up for the Republican Party this year in 2022 uh, in many ways are going to reshape the party. I think a lot of the rhinos are going to be cleaned out, and I think the message. I think I just lost you. I just lost him, unfortunately. Sorry about that. I lost our guest, uh, Alex Newman, uh, extraordinary guy. Um, and uh, we, we were almost at the end uh, and anyway, deadline anyway. So uh, we'll have to we'll get him back again very soon. And uh, right now we better take a break when we come back and uh, don't um, don't fret. I, I was talking to him off the air. We'll have him back on very soon. He's got a lot to say. Uh, and go check ProAmericaReport.com. We've got a couple of his previous interviews there. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you in a moment. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Jim Robbins. Jim Robbins is a columnist for USA Today and uh, also a senior fellow at the National Security Affairs, excuse me, senior fellow for National Security, Security Affairs at the American Foreign Policy Council. Uh, he's been a writer and a teacher for a long time, a couple of books he's written uh, and really well positioned to, to this moment in history, talking both about uh, the history of the country. He's written on that and um, some of the ideas of getting rid of statues, but also international affairs. So welcome back, Jim. How are you? Hey, Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So first, an observation. Uh, one of your pieces that ran, uh, let me see how long ago, but I, I, I flagged it, yeah, about um, three or four days ago on uh, Joe Biden's popularity. So let me, and, and how it's way down, and you in there you, you say he's earned it and you go through that, but let me try another tact uh, on you. Is it possible that we're entering an era where no president will ever be able to stay popular for very long because of the nature of uh, social media and media. 
is that they have to get clicks. So they have to say outrageous things and they have to be outrageous. And they, and I'm not saying I, I think you, you go into how Biden earned it, but certainly Trump. I mean, in many ways, his negativity was the, the, the his negative numbers were a, a result of obsession by the press to say stuff that was at best half true. But you know what I'm saying? They, 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 it's like um, back in the day when you could hide uh, John F. Kennedy's health issues because the media was not going to have to worry about it every day. They were writing a, a column every Thursday and every Sunday, and it wasn't like it is now where you've got to tweet something every minute. Are we entering an era where no president will stay popular for long? Yes, I think you could make a case for that. If you look historically, it's true that every president comes in with really high numbers, you know, kind of a honeymoon period, and then those numbers start to decline. But in the last few presidencies, and not just Trump, but also Obama. Um, Bush was an exception because of 9-11. Um, you do see big drop-offs, I mean, larger than in the past. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media, as you say, and uh, also because things like that have made our political discourse more critical. It's not just the presidents who are more, you know, being more outrageous or their spokespeople, but it's also... Uh, the people who comment on these things, like everything is immediately elevated to sort of a, you know, hyper negativity or hyper positivity, you know, that that's just unreasonable, like Biden claiming to have the best economy of any president, you know, this kind of thing. Right. Uh, we're talking with Jim Robbins, who's a columnist over at USA Today and, and a writer and also the uh, a, um, uh, a fellow at uh, the uh, American Foreign Policy Council. Um, but back to your piece, though, Biden's earned it. I mean, there are f- basic ways where this president in just one year really seemed to step in, step in it. I mean, walk us through how he's earned it. Oh, well, he really blew it. He he pitched himself as this unifier. He was going to bring America back together after the Trump era, this kind of thing. And then he in office, he immediately went to the hard left. He decided to push a hyper progressive agenda. Uh, and then he failed at that. He, he didn't have the votes he needed in Congress to push all this stuff through. And so instead of you know, going to the center and trying to compromise and make amends, no, he just like pushed the same old thing. So that failed. Uh, his foreign policy hasn't been great. Obviously, the Afghanistan uh, pullout was completely botched. You know, the Taliban immediately swept back into power and that hurt him. And uh, then we have the inflation, which is what you get when you spend trillions of dollars of off-budget money. I mean, you even had liberal commentators back in January a year ago saying, hey, if you keep this up, uh, we're going to get inflation. And so here it is. So he really hasn't had a lot of successes. I know they claim to have some, like the infrastructure bill, but, you know, that was going to pass anyway. Well, and I, I was going to say that. I mean, one of, one of the things is he tried a bunch of liberal stuff, uh, build back better, you know, massive thing, and it failed. Uh, on the other hand, there hasn't been a president. I mean, it, it, we're, we're in a different era again, Jim, where, where the, each of the presidents is going to use their executive office quickly to enact a lot of stuff. It used to be, OK, you know, President Bush is going to change the Clinton policy on the Mexico City protocol. OK, that's a big deal. Now it's one executive order after another. It's to change in the Department of Justice's rulings on things, withdrawing from cases. And there Biden has been very liberal. I mean, you know, one of the things I'm watching and you comment on this is that one of the reasons that Russia and Putin have options 
is they will drill or, or, or frack or anything, anything, because they know they need, they want to be an energy producer. It, it, Biden came in and all those lefties that said, you know, no Keystone pipeline, no fracking, no this, no that. Suddenly we're begging OPEC for our oil and gas prices are up and inflation's up and food prices are up. I mean, that was done without passing Congress. Oh, yeah. Those, uh, the energy policy has been absolutely terrible and against our interests. If you look back at election day in 2020, a barrel of oil was around 30 something dollars. Now it's up around 90 something. Wow. Right, and who right. does that benefit? I mean, it benefits Russia, as you point out, it benefits Iran, and you know, it benefits anyone but us. It slows down our economy, it raises inflation. It's just it's just been terrible. And the idea that all this is being done to somehow benefit the uh, benefit uh, the environment is ridiculous because the United States is not the country with the problem. It is China has a problem, India, maybe Brazil. It's these developing countries where the carbon is uh, carbon footprints are increasing. In our country, it's been decreasing for about ten years, and you know even even with the fracking. So why don't we go back to low energy prices and a strong economy and low inflation? It would make a lot more sense than what we're doing. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Jim Robbins, who columnist over at this U- USA Today, and um, uh, also uh, writes uh, frequently a-, a lot of places. And it was previously the Washington Times. That's where I first remember reading Jim. Um, all right, Jim, now pulling back in the world. Um, Joe Biden said famously, you know, Putin doesn't want me to be president because I'm the only one that stood up to him. Uh, doesn't look like anybody thinks much of uh, Biden. I, but on the other hand, is that just uh, I mean, is it sort of Biden doing the best he can with the Democrat principles? I mean, they're not going to be strong. I mean, they're not they're not going to be strong and muscular. They're not going to say no to things like climate change, climate change treaties. So he's sort of stuck in that spot. Yeah, I think Putin knows that now is the time to act because with Trump, I mean, Trump was fairly unpredictable. So uh, Putin had to be cautious with him. Uh, It wasn't like they were buddies or Russian collusion or any of that nonsense. It was just not wanting to mess with a guy as erratic as Trump might have been. Uh, But with Biden, he's a known quantity. That, that that tweet you're mentioning, where you know he stood toe to toe. I mean, that didn't age well. But look at 2014 when Biden was vice president. Well, Putin nipped off uh, Crimea. He invaded Ukraine and tore off a piece of it. Okay, now Biden's president. Putin tears off two more pieces of Ukraine, and somehow the Biden people are pitching this as a win because there wasn't like a large scale all out invasion of the whole country of Ukraine just a small invasion of a small piece of Ukraine. Well, that's not really a win. It makes NATO look weak. It makes the United States look kind of foolish. And we still don't know that Putin might not invade the whole country and just take back Ukraine. He certainly believes Ukraine should be part of Russia. And in the speech he made yesterday, uh, he basically said that, that you know Ukraine is actually a part of Russia and it's going to come back. Uh, we're talking with Jim Robbins. Jim, uh, notwithstanding the fact that, in a weird way, uh, social media and and the 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 uh, power of information, you know, uh, transfer and technology makes it so we can see almost every day better than we could in the past. Imagine if we had, you know, a Twitter and handheld cameras in, in 1915, right? I mean, it's, it's un, un, unfathomable. So what, what, what would it be like? So we're seeing all this up close, uh, but still large, large percentages of Americans don't particularly want America 
fighting a war over the Ukraine. Now, we don't ask our people to vote like um, like it's a Hollywood production of uh, who wants to be a star or whatever those shows are and tell us what to do. But of course, it does matter and it does matter to politicians. Um, so what's what's going to happen here? I mean, you know, I don't think you can imagine uh, maybe you can a president that's going to turn to the American people and say we have to fight Russia over parts of the Ukraine. So what's going to happen? Well, no, I don't think that we will go to war over Ukraine or that we should go to war over Ukraine. Uh, what I think is going to happen is that Putin is going to get Ukraine back into Russia. It may take a little more time, but that's the way things are going. And it's going to be up to the Europeans, I think, mainly to stand up to this with U.S. backing. But unless the United States can make a good rationale for NATO as a deterrent force, then the places like the Baltic states, like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, they're going to have to look out. Those are NATO members. But if it looks like NATO is kind of this toothless organization that can't keep Russia boxed in, they're going to have to start thinking, well, is NATO really going to defend us? And I would, I would suggest that if the Russians made a move against, for example, Estonia, which has a larger proportional Russian population than Ukraine, um, the NATO probably, you know, the United States in any case, probably wouldn't be doing much about it. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's so. Wouldn't it be better in a certain sense? I, I guess it maybe it would feel like a retreat just to, to sort of quietly wind down NATO or, you know, uh, uh, Putin said, and I don't know whether Bill Clinton has commented on this uh, statement. Uh, Putin said that he asked Bill Clinton about becoming uh, Russia, becoming part of NATO, let everybody be in NATO and then everybody doesn't attack each other. I mean, I, again, what's the future look like? Well, it's an interesting question. Now, remember back in the Trump administration, when he was just talking about equal burden sharing in NATO, that is for NATO members to increase their budgets. Right. Democrats went hog wild. Oh, no, he's going to destroy NATO. And, and there was all this pro-NATO stuff. So the Democrats are really in a tough spot if they want to talk about de-emphasizing NATO, because they, during the Trump years, they made the case that like NATO was the supremely important thing. But the fact is, it looks like right now NATO is destabilizing our position instead of stabilizing it. So there's going to have to be some serious debate about the value of NATO as a deterrent and if it can really keep Russia in check. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, as always, Jim Robbins. Again, Jim Robbins uh, is a columnist at USA Today. He's also senior fellow for the National Security, excuse me, senior fellow of National Security Affairs uh, for National Security Affairs at the American Foreign Policy Council. Uh, thanks very much, Jim. We'll have you back on again soon. Okay. Thanks, Ed. All right, everybody. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. An unholy trinity of left-wing research organizations teamed up to create a guide to help leftists win people over to their radical position on boys competing in women's and girls' sports. Conservatives should pay close attention. We need to know what tricks the left is using so we know how to counter them. The guide starts off by making clear that liberals should make their apologetics for transgenderism all about the race-class narrative, which is a fancy way of saying that if you don't agree with us, you're racist. The guide then goes on to say that a strong argument for transgenderism broadly focuses on the freedom to be one's authentic self 
rather than being boxed in by societal norms, such as the biological fact that only two genders exist. The guide also mentions that liberals would be more persuasive if they paint conservatives as trying to suppress all young people, rather than talking about how transgender athletes suppress young people's ability to compete in sports. This liberal guide to transgenderism goes on to break down the ideal pro-transgender argument into component parts. Please listen closely, because what I'm about to tell you could be coming to a school board meeting near you. First, the guide says to lead with a shared value, such as the golden rule of how we should treat others the way we want to be treated. Second, the guide says to call out conservative leaders as villains who are trying to hurt transgenders in order to further their own power. Third, the guide says to call these conservative leaders racists. Finally, end on a positive note, the guide counsels, about how much better the world will be if we let boys compete in girls' sports. As conservatives, we don't have to guess how the left will try to destroy girls' sports. They've laid everything out for us in one convenient handout. It's our job to be familiar with their arguments and be prepared to counter them by talking about the real harms women and girls face when their ability to compete fairly and openly in sports is diminished by boys pretending to be girls. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Got to wrap things up today. Just got a couple of minutes. First of all, let me say thank you to our great Noah Dingley. He is back, our producer. After taking a week's vacation, he had an eventful vacation. We're going to talk to him about it very soon. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll get a Noah Says and get an update from him. So uh, great to have him back, though. Very valuable man. Keeps our show going and and uh, keeping it tight. So thank you for that. Thank you to Joanna, our uh, uh, what do you call it? assistant producer, uh, for helping with uh, the ship program, too, out of our St. Louis headquarters quarters of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, phyllisschlafly.com. All right, wrapping up. You know, I've been making recommendations. I get emails from you all. I get texts from people and they say books and things. And I talk a lot about books to read. I refer you to uh, different places to check out uh, topics, um, authors, um, as well as podcasters, all those kinds of things. And everybody, I think, has a uh, sense that I love to do that. I want to recommend a film that is a couple years old now called Hoaxed, Hoaxed. By Mike Cernovich. It's still available anywhere you get movies. It's uh, it's available on all the different services. You get it's a a, a a movie that's probably I think costs like nine dollars now, nine ninety nine maybe. I own it, and I watched it the other day. And Cernovich, Mike Cernovich, who you probably know, I've recommended his Twitter feed. Um, he did this movie. Uh, I guess I'd have to look at the date. I'm embarrassed to say, but he basically was saying in the film what we saw play out in the years afterwards. And it was partly because he had seen what happened. He was watching what was happening and he was saying, hey, look, I'm seeing that this is, you know, there's a hoax here. But he also was describing in such detail the dynamic that goes on in the media. And he was basically describing what happened and what's happening all around us. 
Hoaxed is the name of the movie. He did make a book out of it, too. I've never, I don't have the book. I've never seen the book. I'm sure it's good. Um, he may remember he wrote a book years ago now called The Gorilla Mindset, um, which was fantastic. Uh, the timing was great in terms of uh, it's basically challenging you on both how to change your um, approach, but also how to tap into so I, I don't know if he would say this. I don't, know if, I don't think it was just only for men, but it was particularly, uh, I think, helpful uh, for men and especially young men as they're you know, reading this. It's great. It's a very good book. So lots of, lots of concrete tips, but also just uh, change your mindset, which is uh, change your life. Very cool. But Hoaxed is the name of this movie. Again, I recommend it wholeheartedly. Get a copy, um, share it, watch it with friends. And here's another trick. Watch it once, like I did, and then watch and watch it a year or two later. And see how you've learned uh, what went on and what he says. It's pretty neat. So, hoaxed with Mike Cernovich. That's my recommendation. And I, I, go ahead and get the book. Or if you want to start with the book, uh, go ahead and order the book and and see if you like that. And some some, some people would rather read than watch a, a movie. But uh, hoaxed is the name of that. I check it out. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget visit proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com, and sign up there for the daily email as well as follow all our great interviews. In fact, I've got a couple interviews with Cernovich years ago. I'll dig them up and put them on. We also had him show that movie at one of our events in St. Louis. It was very cool. So I'll find those and put them up again on social media. So, all right, everybody, have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.